0: So it's amazing how sometimes, without even realizing it, we blend in with everything around us. I have a couple of picture examples for you here. We'll check out this first one. Here's a girl who, without realizing it, kind of blended in pretty well with the couch she was sitting on. Um, this next poor girl, I think, is probably in her college dorm room. Again, matches pretty well. Uh, let's see here what we have next coming up. Well, oh, oh, yeah, we got couch guy. Now, you got to encourage this man not to buy that couch, right? Because if your shirt matches the couch, that's, a, that's just a bad day. Um, this, this next one is is probably not aware she's in the picture, but she's like the inversion of that cell phone case, right? Now, this one is brilliant. I absolutely love this next one. This is someone who realized this professor professor matches his highlighter. I just love that. I think that's awesome. Uh, Next, we have a guy who really went for it. He's tucked there and there on the right next to the luggage. We can make him out there, yeah. And this lady is my hero. I want to know this woman. How amazing is that? Now, I don't know what's better, that she perfectly matches the carpet with her dress or that she's willing to just lay out on the floor in the middle of like a wedding reception. Like, where's Aunt Lois? She's drinking too much again. She's passed out in the corner, you know? So there's Aunt Lois over there. Uh, Wonderful. But it's fun to kind of laugh at all these people and their poorly choice outfits. But I think we struggle with blending in as well. Not with what we're wearing, but I think we tend to struggle with sort of blending in with the people around us, blending in. With the culture around us. And, and we sort of blend in by the way that we live our lives. Now, here's what's supposed to happen, right? When we start to follow Jesus, we begin to change, right? Because Jesus stood out from culture. Jesus did not blend in with the people around him. He stood out. And so as we get to know Jesus and we become more like him, we're going to start to stand out as well. Now, I want to encourage you, right? Because last week, My whole goal was to get you to keep going in your relationship with God. For any of you that felt like giving up, maybe you just feel like I'm a failure, I have so many shortcomings, I have so many doubts, I'm afraid to follow God, would he even want me to continue on? I just wanted to encourage you, yes, continue on. That we have to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Now tonight, I'm going to ask you to aim your life at something. Tonight and next week, I'm going to really, I'm going to ask you to aim your life at certain things as followers of Jesus. And I don't want you to think that I'm trying to come against what I said last week. Like, okay, last week was all about grace, and this week it's all about, like, do stuff, okay? Here's what I want you to see. When you understand last week's message, that you are loved and accepted, and Jesus wants you to continue on no matter what you're doing or going through, that enables you to live a life where you're aiming it at honoring God. It's in that security of his love, knowing even if I mess up, even when I fall, he still wants me. That gives you and I the ability to continue to aim our lives at honoring God. So tonight and next Sunday, what I want to do is I want to ask this question. What would it look like to live a life that stands out? What would it look like? What would be the potential for a life that refuses to blend in with the culture around us and we stand out? Now, we're going to talk for a couple of weeks about some different areas that we kind of struggle to do this in, I think. And, and the first area that I want to talk about has to do with love. I think we struggle, as followers of Jesus, sometimes to love the way we should. As followers of Jesus, we tend to blend in. We sort of struggle with doing things differently and not just sort of looking like everybody else well it's difficult to love people why it's just hard some people are really difficult to love there are all kinds of stories in this room if i if i let everybody you know take the mic for a little while and share a situation that you've been through someone who wounded you someone who hurt you someone who betrayed you someone who got you angry there would be a story for every one of us we probably all have several stories about someone in our life that's really difficult to love but it is so important that we do love why Well, because John, one of Jesus' really, really great friends, said that love is the clearest way the world will see that we belong to Jesus. Love is the defining factor of a follower of Jesus. Another reason this is so important is, just to be completely honest with you guys, I woke up today thinking I was going to be preaching a totally different message than the one I am. I actually wrote this message, and I thought I'd be doing it next week, and I had a whole other thing kind of planned and internalized, and I was ready for it. And, and I woke up this morning, and I just felt like God wanted me to talk about this today. So kind of bear with me if I'm not as familiar with it as I normally am. But I just knew God wanted me to talk about this topic of love today. Why? Because of what our nation's going through right now. Because some of you walked in really upset about what's going on in our world around us. Some of you maybe not so much. And you know what, this message matters for you because I didn't even write it with the inauguration in mind. I didn't write it knowing that our country would be tearing itself apart, both literally and on social media and in conversations. I had no clue that would be happening when I wrote this a few weeks ago. So this message is aimed first and foremost at us as as we interact with bosses and parents and teachers and spouses and kids and parents and friends and neighbors. But man, I just woke up feeling like, I need to talk about this today because the world around us is watching how we're all responding to everything going on around us. Things are a little crazy right now, and I just knew that I had to share with you and remind you, and we had to come around this idea of love and get refocused around it because I think we are going to be in some conversations this week or at least have the potential to be. And I just want to assure everybody, I wasn't looking at your Facebook post when I thought this. Everybody gets nervous. He must have seen my update on Instagram. Oh, man, he saw that angry thing. No, I, I have no clue what you guys are writing on that stuff, okay? I just knew that it's something we have to address because it's such a pressing matter in our nation right now. So how do we handle ourselves on social media as followers of Jesus in the midst of all this political stuff, whether you're Democrat, Republican, conservative, libertarian? Whether you're none of those, how do we handle ourselves? How do we handle ourselves in the workplaces, in the schools this week? My son's in seventh grade. He had kids fighting in his class on Friday right after the inauguration happened. He goes to a Christian school. <laughs> so what are we going to face this week? What are we going to face on social media? Maybe some of you guys have already been driven crazy a little bit by what's going on out there. So, so how do we handle ourselves as followers of Jesus when it comes to what's going on in our nation. But but, but beyond that, the deep warnings of our heart, the things that have happened to us, the struggles we have to love certain people that we work with or that we live with maybe. And so today, I just wanna challenge you to stand out as opposed to blend in because it's just easy to blend in. Everybody hates their enemy. That's what we do when we blend in. Everybody lashes back at someone who lashes out at us. That's what we do when we blend in. But how do we stand out? What does that look like? And so there's a few reasons this is such a big deal for us to talk about. Number one, you and I should be the most loving people on planet Earth because Jesus died for us, right? And I want you to understand, I'm not saying here today, okay, you should love so that you get saved. No, as you all know, we are saved, so we've got to love. Like if we're close to Jesus, we don't have that option. People who are close to Jesus are going to love well. Another reason this is so important is because God's way is best, and he tells us the importance of love. He doesn't just tell us the importance of love. He demonstrates for us, right, by sending his son to die for us in our place. He he demonstrates the importance of love. And we've celebrated this truth in the past, that those who love well live richly. Let me give you an example. If I have a guy over here or a girl over here, and they love well throughout their lifetime, and I have a guy or a girl over here, and they don't love well. They kind of stay all kind of packaged up inside their own heart. They don't put themselves out there. They're not willing to take the risks of loving. Here's what you're gonna find at the end of their lives, that this person lived richly, and this person did not. That doesn't mean love's easy. It doesn't mean that there aren't hard days and bad days and days where you feel really beat up. But when we love well, we live richly. And so God wants us to live rich lives. But the real reason that this matters for us today, kind of the, the driving force we're going to find behind the scripture that we're going to talk about tonight, is that we've got to love because the world around us needs the hope of Jesus. And you and I loving, listen to this, please, if you're going to fall asleep on me tonight, do it after this statement. You and I loving people around us is the main plan for God to bring salvation to your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, your enemies. That's the main plan. That's a little scary. But God's main plan to reach the lost is to love them through us, both those that are easy to love and those that are difficult to love. So now you can fall asleep if you'd like, as long as you can live that out. But tonight, I want to continue to explore this idea. And I just want to remind you up front, we're not going to live this perfectly, right? We're going to struggle with this. And that's when we do two things. We, we look to God and we ask for forgiveness and we own it in front of the people that we haven't lived it in front of, right? This is so important. We're gonna talk a little bit more about this next week. But when you and I mess up, we're supposed to be these loving, shining Christians and we mess all that up, we've gotta own that in front of the people that we've messed up in front of. And we've gotta say, that's not how I should have acted. And I just want to say to you tonight, if you're not a follower of Jesus, we're so glad you're here. We want this to be a place you can explore your faith and figure all this out. But I just want to apologize to you if we've pushed you away as Christians. If we have, by our lifestyle, if we've maybe been missing this whole love thing, if we've pushed you away from God or made you question if the church is a safe place to come explore your faith, then I just apologize for that tonight, and I hope you see that we're working on it and we want to change. So we're going to jump into some scripture tonight. And Jesus was teaching a huge crowd, and as he's teaching this crowd, he addresses the very things we're talking about. And he talks about this importance of love and what we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to stand out as followers of Jesus. So let's check out Matthew chapter 5. It says this in verse 14. Jesus is saying this. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the world the house. So what's Jesus saying? You're supposed to stand out like a city on a hill, like a town on a hill. You're supposed to stand out, not just blend in. I went to college up in Nyack, and my senior year, I commuted back and forth every day, and I would spend a lot of time on the Tappan Zee Bridge. And from the Tappan Zee Bridge, you can see that the tip top part of a castle. Now, I have the picture of the whole castle here. You can't see that whole castle, but you can see that topmost part, and you can't miss it as you're driving up that bridge and up that hill toward the campus. It's just right there on the main road, and it's just so awesome. I always love seeing it, and and I played soccer when I was at NIAC, and, and the soccer team, as we were driving past this castle one day, one of my, one of the guys on the team said, Hey, did you guys know that that's where they shot the Wizard of Oz? And I was like, no way. That is so cool. And so for 20 years, I've been telling people that that's the castle where they shot the Wizard of Oz. And I was going to get up here tonight and tell you the same thing. And then I thought I should probably Google this and find out if it's true. It was a lie. (laughs) So if you've been driving with me on 287 up by Nyack and I've told you that was the Wizard of Oz castle... As a man who's supposed to be honest, I humbly apologize. (laughs) I missed that one. But just like you cannot drive by this castle without seeing it, that's what you and I are supposed to be in the world. Think about this. Imagine if people walking by you and me as they see us in life, if they stopped the car, so to speak, and said, what is that? See, that's what everybody does when they drive by the castle going to NyAC. You are driving the car, and and suddenly, I mean, there's buildings, apartments, businesses, whatever, and suddenly everybody says the same thing. What is that? Because it stands out. What if people walking by your life and my life begin to say, what is that? What's that love? Why would they act that way? Why would they shine so brightly like that? So Jesus says we're supposed to stand out. Now, how are we supposed to stand out? Well, first, let me tell you what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying we should be annoying. He's also not saying that we should become the moral police for the world around us, for all the people who don't believe in God, trying to get them to act like they do believe in God when they don't believe in God. Because why would they act like they believe in God if they don't believe in God? And so we're not supposed to be the moral police for the world around us. We're also not supposed to withdraw from culture. So we're not supposed to just hide in our churches until Jesus comes back. But what are we supposed to do? Look at verse 16. It says, In the same way, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So we're supposed to stand out by doing good deeds, by shining brightly like a city on a hill. Well, what do these deeds look like? And how do you do them? Where do they come from? That's what we're going to look at for these next two weeks. So we're going to look tonight at some things Jesus had to say in the same chapter of the Bible, a little bit further, just imagine he's preaching the same message and a little bit further in the message. He begins to talk about this concept of love. I don't think it's a mistake that these verses follow the idea of shining like a city on a hill. So verse 38 says, you've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Now, This doesn't mean that you become someone's doormat. So if you're in an abusive relationship, you need to get out of it. That's not what this verse is talking about. What this verse is talking about is Jesus saying, don't retaliate. Don't retaliate. Now, this is huge because in Jesus' culture, everyone retaliated. They actually had something called the law of retaliation, which meant if someone took your, your teeth, you took their teeth. They took your eye, you took their eye. They took your money, you took their money. It was basically, they got, you were gonna get compensated for whatever was taken from you. It was the law of retaliation. And so as Jesus is saying, okay, don't retaliate. If someone hits you, you turn the other cheek. If someone takes your eye, you don't take their eye. If someone takes your tooth, you don't take their tooth. No, 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 we turn the other cheek. Well, what does that mean? So so Jesus is saying, literally, if you get slapped in the face, you're supposed to turn your cheek so they could slap the other one? Well, see, what we don't understand about this is that this, in this culture, wasn't about pain. It was about shame. Jesus lived in an honor-shame culture. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, an honor-shame culture. So an honor-shame culture is this. It means that everything was about being honored. And the worst thing would be to be shamed. So you know how in our day, this is a sad commentary on our day, but in our day, it's like money is, seems to be the highest value, you know? I mean, it shouldn't be that way, but it seems like, man, you can almost get anybody to do anything if you will pay them enough money. In this culture, honor was the highest form of payment. The, the greatest thing you could do for somebody is honor them, and the worst thing you could do for somebody is shame them. So to slap someone wasn't about violence. It was about shaming them. And when a person was shamed, their whole family was shamed. They lost their reputation in the community. And so Jesus here is saying, if someone shames you, if someone humiliates you, don't humiliate them back. Don't shame them back. Let them do it again. Jesus, why would I let them do it again? Well, if you wanna blend in, retaliate. But if you wanna stand out, If you want people driving in their car past your life to say, wait, what was that? Then you turn the other cheek. And Jesus was the best example of this. The son of God walking the earth had all the power he needed to do to anybody, whatever he wanted to, and yet he let mankind beat and crucify him. That stands out. That got our attention. And so it's really all about what is our goal? Is our goal here to be able to stand tall and say, I've got my pride intact, I'm not gonna let anybody push me around? Or is it to win people to Jesus? Is it to shine brightly? Now, in our culture, nobody's probably gonna try to shame us necessarily by slapping us, but what does this look like in our day? Give you some examples. Maybe you get made fun of, you get shamed. Are you gonna go right back? or Are you gonna not retaliate and stand out? Maybe you get put down or maybe you get mistreated. Are you just going to go right back and do the same thing they did? Maybe you get ignored by somebody. That, that drives me nuts, man. If anyone of you want to get me upset, just ignore me as I'm walking out tonight. I'd be like, bye, guys. And just, you know, I might punch you. Um, no, I, that drives me nuts, you know. And, and has that ever happened to you or someone ignores you you're you're trying to reach them you're trying to almost make eye contact with them maybe somebody that's jealous of you or you're jealous of or you got a thing going you got a history and you're trying to reach them just even make eye contact with them and they won't even look at you and so what do we do do we ignore back or do we not retaliate what about this ready when someone comes at us because of our political views what will we do What will we say when the nation is ripping each other apart? What are we going to do? What are you going to do in the office this week? You could blend in like everybody else, or you could stand out, even if that means being shamed, even if that means maybe being humiliated. Again, our goal, our main goal, is not to get people to believe like we do politically. It's to win them to Jesus. It's nothing wrong with being political, but it's got to come from a place of love. So the loudest thing about me has to be my love for Jesus, not my politics. And if I'm gonna talk politics, it's gotta come from a place of love, and that's possible. Some of the people in this room live that out. A guy, Brendan Hodick, lives that out. You can talk politics with Brendan, and he's not gonna bug out on you. He's not gonna freak out on you. He'll disagree with you. He'll do it the right way. It's possible. How do we do that? Well, we're gonna see the answer to how we do that, but the important thing is that we know This is what it looks like to stand out. Verse 40, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Now, Jesus isn't expecting us to have no possessions, but what he's saying is this, be generous even with your enemies. So somebody wants to take your overcoat, or your shirt rather, you give them your overcoat too. Well, what does that look like in our day? Again, I don't know that anyone's gonna be suing me for my my awesome shirt here, right? So what does this look like, right? You're all like, yeah, that's a terrible shirt, Doug. Um, What does this look like? Well, maybe someone steals from you in another way. Maybe they they steal your reputation by gossiping about you. How can you be generous to that person? Wait, Doug, why would I do that? Because we're trying to stand out. We're trying to look different. We're trying to not blend in to win people to Jesus. Maybe somebody stole a friend from you. Are you gonna just retaliate? Somebody stole a job or a position. Someone stole your influence in the office, maybe because you're the Christian or you're the Democrat or you're the Republican or the Libertarian or the conservative or whatever it might be. How are you gonna respond to that? How can you go above and beyond to show kindness and generosity? Verse 41, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. So, I wanted to look up the term, go the extra mile, not in the Bible. I just wanted to see kind of what culture thought that meant. And so I, I Googled it. And here's what I got. Go the extra mile. To be especially assiduous in one's attempt to achieve something. So then I had to look up what assiduous means because I have no idea. And so assiduous means showing great care and perseverance. So if you put all that together, to go the extra mile in culture's mind means to preserve Persevere, rather, in one's attempt to achieve something. Why not just say that? Why you gotta be all fancy with your words and confuse me, right? But in Jesus' day, this is not nearly what this meant. I mean, persevere, yeah, achieve your goals, great. That's not what this meant. In Jesus' day, the Roman soldiers who had invaded would sometimes be carrying their gear and they would decide, you know what? I'm gonna make Ryan carry my gear for the next mile. And so here I am, the soldier. I go, Ryan, pick up my gear. You carry it for a mile. And normally the people would begrudgingly carry the gear. It was heavy. They didn't want to do it. They're walking a mile. They don't want to be walking with someone they don't want to be walking with. And Jesus here says, hey, you know what? If, if someone comes up to you and says that, Ryan, here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk the mile, but then I want you to go an extra mile too. And I just wonder, what happened When Jesus' followers started living this out, I almost wonder what conversations did the soldiers start having back at the campgrounds, you know, back at the tents at night. Some of these Roman soldiers going, did that guy Ryan carry your stuff? Because he was like friendly. And not not only did he like talk to me as we were walking and not only was he kind, but when we got to the one mile mark where lawfully he could go do his own thing, he carried my stuff an extra mile. Did you meet that Ryan guy? He, I can't believe it. I can't believe how he acted. I just wonder what the conversations were as they went the extra mile. Now, maybe you and I don't have soldiers' bags to carry, but how do we go above and beyond? How can you go the extra mile with your boss this week? Maybe your boss is like terrible to you. Maybe they're great. I don't know. How could you go the extra mile with them? What could you do to stand out, to make your boss go, what is with this guy? What is with her? what are they doing? What about the professor for some of you guys or the teacher in your school this week that no one respects? What if you were to show them respect? What if you were to not gossip behind their back or roll your eyes when they turn around or hold up your highlighter that looks like them from behind? (laughs) No, that was actually awesome. What about the student or the coworker that no one interacts with? My wife and I are always trying to pour into our kids Reach out to the kids that have no friends. Include the kids that nobody wants to talk to or invite to hang out or play with. How do you reach out to them this week? What would it look like to go the extra mile with them? Some of you guys who are living at home, what would it look like to go the extra mile with your parents this week? But you're like, Doug, you don't know my parents. I know, but we want to stand out. We could blend in, look like everybody else, give our parents attitudes and disrespect them. And Man, what would it look like to go the extra mile? To win them. Some of you have parents who don't follow Jesus. What if you're in their house still, as much as you may hate it, to win them to Christ by showing a love that makes no sense? For those parents in the room, what about your kids? How could you bless your kids this week? Ready for this one? Everyone take a deep breath. How could you bless a Democrat or a Republican or a conservative or a libertarian this week? How could you go the extra mile? Maybe somebody you can't stand. Maybe someone who has driven you crazy on Facebook. Maybe somebody you've gone back at. Some of you guys are like deleting stuff on Instagram right now. (laughs) Delete that post. How How can you bless and go the extra mile for those so that your life stands out? Verse 42, give to the one who asks you, do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So Jesus is saying, show extraordinary love and generosity to those who are in need. Now, I love that I get to say what I'm about to say. You guys are so great with this. I'm so proud of our church. You guys are absolutely incredible when it comes to being generous to those in need. The way you guys serve the homeless through the homeless ministry, the Save a Life Bucket, we've given money all around the world, Operation Christmas Child. Um, one, one of the coolest things that I've heard recently is thats is that we're making a difference in our community, that people know that this is a generous church. There was um, a woman in our church who sent me some, conversations that apparently were happening on facebook a while back i don't know if i got to share this with you guys but there's a group called smithtown moms and i'm not able to see that post because i don't live in smithtown i'm not currently a mom and so this lady found these posts all about our church and there was cool stuff in there about the services the kids ministry the band all that good stuff they've got fog all that good stuff right but then this one lady was like i don't go to that church but here's what i can tell you about that church After Hurricane Sandy, when everything was a mess and all the trees had fallen down, nobody had electricity, those people were walking through the neighborhoods with chainsaws and axes and shovels, and they were cleaning everything up for days after that whole mess. And I think back to that time and how awesome that was that so many of us went out and none of us had to work or go to school because none of us had electricity. And we were just like, let's just serve people. And we were out there doing our thing. And if you remember, it was the end of October. And I remember one day in particular, we're walking down the road, and we had our chainsaws and our axes. And everyone was looking at us really weird. Like, why, did, why is everyone staring at us so strange? And then we realized it was Halloween. And we're walking down the street with <laughs> chainsaws and axes. And kids were like, ah. I'm like that's not the standing out we want to do. No. But I just love that that is what stood out to that woman. Never even been here but we shine the love of Jesus. We were generous and we helped those that were in need. And then Jesus takes it up a few notches. He says this in verse 43. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven. Normal people hate their enemies. Blending in kind of people hate their enemies, hate those who persecute them. Standing out people, pray for those who persecute them. Love their enemies. Let me ask you a question. Who is your enemy? I just want you to take a second. I want you to really think about that. I want you to actually picture a face in your mind. Who would you say is your enemy? Maybe you've never thought about it that way. Maybe you've never actually visualized a face. But who would it be for you? Because Jesus here says, we're supposed to love that person. And we're supposed to pray for that person. I just think that it's so important that we, we think about how we begin to take steps to living that out. Some of us in the room, if we're honest, the person we just visualized hurt us so badly that before we can ever even think about forgiving them, talking to them, getting them back in our life, we're gonna have to get some tremendous healing in our heart. Some of us maybe need to go for some counseling, make an appointment with my wife, Kelly, talk it through and allow God to bring healing and take steps toward loving and restoring relationships that maybe have been broken for a long time. But who is it for you? Some of us, it's that deep. Some of us, it's just someone who really annoys us in our office. It's someone who we can't stand maybe in our neighborhood or at our school. And so how do you love that person? How will you pray for that person this week? And I love that at the end of the verse here, it says, that we should do this, that we may be children of our Father in heaven. This doesn't mean that when we do it, suddenly snap, we become children of our Father in heaven. It means now we look like him. Now we look like the children we're supposed to be. Several times a month when I'm trying to fix something in my house, I ask myself this question, how would my dad fix this? What would he do? This is all falling apart and broken or whatever. How, how would this work? And then I do it, and then I probably have to call him anyway to come fix it because I messed it up anyway. But I think we've got to ask this question too. Okay, so so-and-so Broke me. So-and-so betrayed me. So-and-so abused me. So-and-so called me out and said terrible things about me. So-and-so humiliated me in front of the school or the office. So-and-so said terrible things about me on Facebook and we went at it. What would my father do? Well, our father in heaven sought us out when we didn't want him. Our father in heaven sought us out and came after us and served us and loved us and forgave us when we wanted nothing to do with him. And so when you and I love those who hate and love those who persecute and pray for those who may be our enemies, we are children of our Father. And that's what gets people's attention. It doesn't mean that if you start doing this this week, your whole school or your whole office is gonna come to Christ. It doesn't mean that. But here's what it means. If you and I will live these lives for the rest of our lives, at the end of it, you know what we'll see? That people have seen our good deeds and are now glorifying our Father in heaven. This is a long haul type mentality is not a quick fix. This is, okay, I'm going to go home tonight, and I'm going to be a light in my home. This is, okay, I'm going to go to school or work tomorrow and this week, and I'm going to be a light in those environments. And you know what? I'm not going to get it right all the time. And when I fail, I'm going to own it. I'm going to let people see over time that I'm a genuine follower of Jesus and that the love of Jesus is at work in my life. And so throughout this, I think Jesus is saying something that's pretty clear. I think that Jesus calls us to shine a love that makes no sense. An unusual love. A love that makes people say, what was that? This this love that makes no sense. You see, a love that, that makes sense is loving those who love you back, loving those who are good to you. But a love that makes no sense goes above and beyond with the sole purpose of reaching the world around us for those who need Jesus. So let me ask you a question. If, if we wanna shine a love that makes no sense, if we wanna have reactions to people that make no sense, let me just ask you a question. Do your current reactions make too much sense? What do I mean by that? Somebody does something to you? Does your reaction kinda make sense? Does it kinda blend in with how the people around you would do it? Or does it not make sense? Does it stand out? Does it make people take notice what you're doing? And so will you shine this love for those who slap you, so to speak, who shame you, dishonor you, those who maybe want to take something from you, those who want to borrow something, those who want to force you to go a mile maybe you don't want to go, will you go that second mile? And what about those who straight up are your enemies? Will you shine this love? As I said earlier, it doesn't mean we can't be political. It just means our love for Jesus has to be louder. And when we talk politics, it's got to come from a place of love. It's so important because Jesus died for us. It's so important because those who love well live richly. It's so important because the world around us so badly needs the hope of Jesus. Now, how do we do this? I just told you what we should do, right? I told you we should love people well. We should shine brightly. We should live in a way that makes no sense. But how do we do it? Because this is really difficult. It's really hard to love people with a love that makes no sense. You know, the only way I know how to love people with a love that makes no sense It's to be as close to Jesus as I possibly can because he's the one who loves with a love that makes no sense. And so the closer I am to him, the more his love's gonna flow through me. Maybe you guys in the past heard Pastor Bravon talk about how the moon has no light of its own, right? The moon only reflects the light that the sun has. And so you and I have to be close enough to the sun, Jesus Christ, for his light to shine through us, we simply reflect who he is to the world around us. That's the how. We've got to be close to Jesus. The closer we are to him, the more this love that makes no sense is possible. And I would go as far as to say is that if we're not close to Jesus, then this love that makes no sense is impossible. And so be near him, and he's going to do what you can and what I can't. If you and I will live this out, we will see people look to Jesus. And you know, I think one of the best compliments anybody can ever give you is this. You know, the way you're living your life is making me rethink all this God stuff. Be the best compliment anybody could ever give you. You know, I mean, hey, we should know our theology and we should be kind and we should do all these other things. But man, imagine somebody saying to you, the way you live, I mean, I've heard all your arguments, I've heard what you say about the resurrection and all the proof and all the evidence and all that stuff, great, But the thing that really captivates me and makes me rethink all this is the love that makes no sense that I see coming out of you. And like I said, you don't win someone like that in a day's time or a week's time or maybe even a month's time. But as you and I consistently love and then when we fall down, we get back up and we ask forgiveness of those we've we've failed in front of, we will win people with the love of Jesus Christ. And that's our hope. Not to take over the world, but we've been changed and we've found satisfaction in life in Jesus. And we want others to have it as well. Just want to wrap all this up, telling you just a really cool story about a guy named Eric Little. And there's this old school movie called *Chariots of Fire*, made about his life. I don't know if some of you guys maybe saw it, sitting home on a rainy day. It was just coming on TV, but it's about this guy Eric Little who was a Christian and who was wanting to compete in the Olympics and. He had this whole thing where he stood up for his faith and ended up winning a gold medal. And it's this whole cool story that you could get into, and you can check it out on your own if you want to. But most people don't know what he went on to do after he won the gold medals. After he won the gold medals, him and his wife and his daughters, they went to China, and they loved the people of China in a way that made no sense. And this is during World War II. And so they literally are on a convoy of ships going to China And some of Hitler's U-boats attacked their convoy, sunk several of the ships that were around them, and a dud, a missile, actually hit their ship, and it was a dud. And thankfully, their ship didn't go down. They went to China. They served the people there for years. It got crazy over there. So Eric sent his wife and his kids home, not realizing he would never see them again. They went home. Eric stayed. He would ride his bike from village to village and he would try to minister to the people where men had been murdered and women had been raped, and he would share the love of Jesus. Eventually, he was captured, and he was told he couldn't preach the gospel anymore, and he was brought into an internment camp, and the conditions were terrible. And the bathrooms basically, they say, were like cesspools, but him and the other missionaries went into the bathrooms and cleaned them for the other prisoners to show the love of Christ. And Eric actually would preach to the people that were in the internment camp with him. And he used some of the same verses. And what do you think about this? Imagine him preaching those verses. Pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. You know who he was talking about? The prison guards, feet away from them. That might change the way you pray and think about those verses. Eric had a friend whose shoes had worn out and Eric had managed to keep as one of his last possessions, the sneakers that he ran with when he won the gold medal. And he gave those away just to share the love of Christ with a friend. Eventually, in 1945, Eric died in prison, shining the love of Jesus. The world literally mourned all around, memorial services in countries all around the world for him. 63 years later, we found out that the British government had actually worked something out with the Chinese to make a prisoner exchange. And when they made the final call of who was getting out, Eric was on the list to get out. He could have gone home, been with his wife and his girls and lived his life. But instead, he gave up his spot to a pregnant woman that was in the jail, shining brightly for Jesus, loving in a way that made no sense. And you know what? You and I aren't in a prison camp tonight. But we have an opportunity to live this week in a way that makes no sense. Jesus calls us to shine a love that makes no sense, that makes people go, what was that? And so who is that for you? Who do you need to love well this week? Who do you need to go to God for healing in your heart for? Just, God, you gotta heal my heart because they have wounded me so deeply or they annoy me so much or they make me so angry. God desires you to love the people around you. He's gonna give you an eye the grace and the strength to find healing and then love in the way that he's called us to love. And so who's your enemy? Who's slapped you in the face, so to speak? Who's tried to take your coat? Who wants you to go one mile with them? Who has persecuted you? Because Jesus calls us to shine a love that makes no sense. Let's pray. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you think about that person that you visualized before? And would you pray first for your heart? that you'd be able to find healing and love those, that person or those people well? And then would you pray for them? And I want to ask you, would you pray every day this week for that person? And would you ask God for creative ways to go the extra mile for them, to be generous, to be kind, to turn the other cheek, to be loving, to not retaliate? And listen, when you fall and when you fail, own it. Be the real thing. Apologize. Be in this for the long haul. God will use you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, the greatest love ever known is the love of Jesus laying down his life for us, dying on the cross in our place. Talk about a love that makes no sense. That's what he did for us. The perfect, innocent, pure son of God dying for you and me. And so if you want to put your trust in him today, I would encourage you just to pray something like this quietly. Jesus, please forgive me for my sin." Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. Please show me how real you are. Be my God. Be my Savior. And let your love shine through me in a way that makes no sense. In your name.